Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Today is Saturday, November 7th, 2020. On this day in 1837, a pro-slavery mob shot and killed Elijah P. Lovejoy, the owner and editor of an anti-slavery newspaper in Alton, Illinois. Lovejoy's death became a seminal moment in the abolitionist movement, inspiring many others to become outspoken critics of slavery. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from ParCast. Today we're covering the senseless murder of Elijah Lovejoy. Let's go back to November 7, 1837, to an early morning on the banks of the Mississippi River. Dawn was still hours away when the steamboat reached the city of Alton, Illinois. A group of men stood on the docks, waiting nervously in the darkness. Among them was Elijah P. Lovejoy, a 35-year-old Presbyterian minister and the owner and editor of the Alton Observer, a weekly abolitionist newspaper. The steamboat was delivering the Observer's new printing press, the fourth press Lovejoy had purchased in just over a year. The last three had each been destroyed by violent mobs who were angry at Lovejoy for speaking out against slavery in his paper. It was the first of these attacks that had driven Lovejoy to move his business and family to Alton from St. Louis, Missouri, where he had previously worked for Christian publication, The St. Louis Observer. Unlike Missouri, Illinois was a free state, meaning it was illegal to own and sell slaves. Nevertheless, there was a strong pro-slavery sentiment in Alton, which had become something of a center for slave catchers. So when Lovejoy arrived, his neighbors gave him a warning. Stick to religion, keep quiet on the issue of slavery, and all would be well. But for Lovejoy, the issues were inseparable. Slavery was an affront to Christianity and the Constitution, and it was his duty as a Christian-American journalist to say so. On July 4th of 1837, he made a public show of refusing to attend a city Independence Day celebration and printed this statement in The Observer. Alas, what bitter mockery is this? We assemble to thank God for our own freedom and to eat and drink with joy and gladness of heart while our feet are on the necks of nearly three millions of our fellow men. Not all our shouts of self-congratulation can drown their groans. Even the very flag of freedom that waves over their heads is formed from materials cultivated by slaves on a soil moistened with their blood, drawn from them by the whip of a Republican taskmaster. 
The pro-slavery contingent in Alton did not take well to the rebuke. A mob dragged the minister out of the house where he was staying and came close to tarring and feathering him. Later that night, they went to the observer's office and destroyed his printing press. But instead of keeping quiet, Lovejoy raised money for a new one. When it arrived, a mob met it on the banks of the river and destroyed that one, too. It was becoming increasingly clear that Alton would not allow an abolitionist press. Many of Lovejoy's readers and supporters urged him to temper his rhetoric, arguing that it was unchristian to stir up trouble. But Lovejoy refused. On November 3rd, he gave an impassioned speech in which he seemed to have already come to terms with his fate. He said, I have counted the cost and stand prepared freely to offer up my all in the service of God. I am fully aware of all the sacrifice I make in here pledging myself to continue this contest to the last. If I fall, my grave shall be made in Alton." Lovejoy was determined to keep his fourth printing press from meeting the same fate as the previous three and would defend it at any cost. To avoid undue attention, the press was delivered well before dawn on November 7th. Lovejoy and his abolitionist supporters worked quickly to unload the machinery and move it to a nearby warehouse. As the sun rose over the city, Lovejoy and a few friends stood guard on the building's roof, confident that they had succeeded in their mission. It's unclear how word of the printing press's arrival got out, but as the day wore on, the news spread through the city like wildfire. And as night fell on November 7th, an angry mob of several hundred people closed in on the warehouse. Alton Mayor John Crum was present and later described what happened. Scenes of most daring recklessness and infuriated madness followed each other in quick succession. The building was surrounded and the inmates were threatened with extermination and death in the most frightful form imaginable. Every means of escape by flight were cut off. At first, the mob stood around the building, shouting and hurling rocks and bricks through the windows. Eventually, someone opened fire on the warehouse. Lovejoy's men responded by firing back. A member of the mob was hit and killed. The attackers were enraged. A ladder was brought forward and several people climbed up with torches, intending to set the warehouse's roof on fire. Lovejoy burst through the front doors, knocked the ladder over, then raced back inside before anyone could respond. The mob raised the ladder a second time, and when Lovejoy ran out, they were ready. Lovejoy took five bullets to the chest and fell in the doorway. He was dead within minutes. The mob surged into the warehouse and set it aflame. Lovejoy's abolitionist supporters fled the scene after two more of their number were shot and wounded. The mob found the printing press and shattered it, then carried the pieces to the Mississippi and threw them in the river. 
Lovejoy was dead, but he had lived up to his promise. He stood his ground and died defending his beliefs. Coming up, we'll discuss the aftermath and repercussions of Elijah Lovejoy's murder. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be. Others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. In Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, our love story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 platinum jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Now, back to the story. As night fell on November 7, 1837, a violent pro-slavery mob converged on an Alton warehouse where the abolitionist newspaper owner and editor Elijah P. Lovejoy had stashed his new printing press. Lovejoy attempted to defend the warehouse and was ultimately shot to death by the mob. Few mourned his death. Elijah's brother, Owen Lovejoy, wrote that, the next morning, the bloody remains of our brother were removed by a few friends from the warehouse to his dwelling. And as the hearse moved slowly along through the street, it was saluted with jeers and scoffs. The Presbyterian minister was buried near his Alton home two days later on November 9th. It was his 35th birthday. The people of Alton showed little remorse even some of Lovejoy's abolitionist supporters argued that he had asked for trouble by taking up arms. The warehouse's owner was charged for inciting a riot by not handing over the press when the mob demanded it, though he was ultimately found not guilty. Some of the mob leaders were also charged and also found innocent. But outside of Alton, Lovejoy's death had a far greater impact. The fact that a white man had been killed for arguing against slavery was shocking enough, but the details of the night, that he was shot by a mob while protecting his printing press, that he was a religious minister, and that his wife was pregnant with their second child, made what happened to him impossible to ignore. Newspapers and politicians throughout America denounced the murder. Pastors preached against it in their sermons, and many Northerners who had previously been quiet critics of slavery began to see it as an evil that needed to be stamped out without delay. 
One of those was 28-year-old Illinois State Representative Abraham Lincoln. He spoke out against the murder and mob violence, saying, Whenever the vicious portion of population shall be permitted to gather in bands of hundreds and thousands and burn churches, ravage and rob provision stores, throw printing presses into rivers, shoot editors, and hang and burn obnoxious persons at pleasure and with impunity, depend on it, this government cannot last. The mob had tried to silence Lovejoy. Instead, they had spread his message far better than his tiny newspaper ever could. In addition to being remembered as an abolitionist hero, Lovejoy has been called the first American martyr for the free press. At the time, many Southern states had censorship laws restricting abolitionist writings. Even though these practices were in clear violation of the First Amendment, northern states were largely content to look the other way. Congress went so far as to show official support for these practices with the Post Office Act of 1836, which made it legal for southern post offices to refuse delivery of anti-slavery materials. But Elijah Lovejoy's death brought this practice under fresh scrutiny. 32 years after the end of the Civil War, a monument was raised at Lovejoy's gravesite. On its base, the following quote from Lovejoy is written, I have sworn eternal opposition to slavery, and by the blessing of God, I will never turn back. But gentlemen, as long as I am an American citizen, and as long as American blood runs in these veins, I shall hold myself at liberty to speak, to write, to publish whatever I please on any subject. If the laws of my country fail to protect me, I appeal to God, and with Him I cheerfully rest my cause. I can die at my post, but I cannot desert it. Nearly two centuries later, it's easy to lose sight of the scope of Lovejoy's sacrifice. He was killed two days before turning 35, leaving behind a pregnant wife and child. While his death was a senseless tragedy, his dedication to his beliefs inspired countless others to join the fight against slavery. He will forever be remembered as a martyr to the free press and a hero of freedom and justice. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Andrew Kelleher with writing assistance by Alex Benedon. I'm Vanessa Richardson.
Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.